Hello, everybody out there. Hello, this is Mark Torian of the Bullet Boys, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion right here, right now, with Brandon on iHeartRadio. You know where you are. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 179. It is Brando. Joining us shortly, our co-host for this episode, journalist Matt Wake. You know him. He writes for AL.com. He's had features in Rolling Stone and Guitar World. He'll be joining us in just a moment as he's getting some uh, last-minute research done, questions written out for today's guest, Mark Torian of The Bullet Boys. The Bullet Boys are back. Sounds like a song. Maybe that will be a song in their upcoming record. They have reunited all the original members of The Bullet Boys are together. They're set to kick off a tour in just a few weeks. And we're going to get Mark Torian on the phone. And I believe that's him calling right now. Hello? Brandon? Hey, is Brandon, this Mark? It's Mark Torian from the Bullet Boys. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? Awesome. Thank you. Cool. Awesome. I uh, also want to let you know that on the line with us, a, a journalist friend of ours, uh, his name is Matt Wake. He writes for AL.com, okay. and he's had stuff in Rolling Stone and Billboard, and he's from Alabama. That sounds rad. Hey, Mark. Hello. Uh, to, How uh, are you? Great to talk with you. I'm good, man. Uh, excited about talking with you today. Well, thank you for having me. Where are you calling from today, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I'm calling you from the beautiful city of Los Angeles, California. <laughs> Is it still beautiful? Is it coronavirus mania over there yet? Oh, my gosh, yeah. it's um, People are losing their minds and, um, you know, just... Uh, there's just a huge state of fear mongering everywhere. And uh, especially here in LA, you know, everybody's has a lot of fear and uh, buying a lot of toilet paper and what have you. And, and um, I just don't, um, I, I just see it as fear mongering and hoarding. You know, it's, it's really sad. I thought um, people would be a little bit more intelligent than they are. And um, you know, fear causes a lot of different things in people. I know. Cause I was listening on the way because I'm here in New York City and I was listening to sports yeah. radio on my way in. They're talking about all these sporting events being canceled or potentially being canceled. And I'm sure you heard the news of South by Southwest and Pearl Jam canceling yes. and even yes, Guns N' Roses cancels uh, Costa Rica and Brett Michaels pulled out. Are you because this is a really big tour for you. Are you fearful or are you just kind of uh, going ahead? Are you going to perform with masks on maybe like how, how are you going forward with the Bullet Boys? <laughs> You know, I you know to be perfectly honest, it's um, it, it, of course it's a it's a really strange dichotomy. You know, we've never no one's ever been in this situation. Uh, we really don't know yet. Um, actually, today I'm going to be speaking to the powers that be, our agent, management, uh, the band, and have a chat with them also. But uh, you know, it's just uh, to me at some point. I understand. I also have been reading what's what's happening in New York City. By the way, how's the weather out there? Irregardless of the coronavirus, <laughs> it's beautiful today. It's like spring. It's it's if it's today is um it's it's wonderful. Like it, it really is. I have it's Aww. like my first time not having to wear a jacket. 
So I'm just wearing oh, my that's nice. my GNR Lies hoodie. That's all I'm wearing right now. You know, and also just kind of switch going back. You know, here's the thing. You know, if people would get more informed and, and be a little bit more educated what's going on, here's the thing. From what I understand, this virus is attacking people that are much older. Right. 70s, 80s, and it's basically not affecting children. So as far as where this coronavirus came for, came from, whether it was um, uh, made in a laboratory or what have you, no one really knows. I don't think we'll ever, ever find out. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just something that we have to all be diligent and uh, really start uh, you know, from, from basically from ground zero and start being more cleanly, uh, being more clean, uh, start to realize that, you know, we, We've been through SARS. We've been through the West Nile virus. Um, we went through N1H1. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Um, I know what you mean, there's though. Been, there's been so many um, flu type of things and viruses and, and, and what have you. And uh, it's just um, sometimes I think, you know, people, you know, they have nothing else. So now here's something else that we have to talk about and, uh, media has to spread fear through people. I wish they'd spread more knowledge than fear. So that's a, um, it's a, you know, it's a hard, it's it's a hard, uh, no pun intended, but it's a hard pill to swallow, you know. Yeah, I mean, the headline news should be that the Bullet Boys are back together. It's the all regional yeah, lineup. Absolutely. That's what we should care about. <laughs> what the hell's going on? It's like, <laughs> no, no question, you know. And you know, going, let's go to that and and um, try to talk something a little bit more positive. Before we go to that, though, as far as we know, to answer your question, sure. we are going to play shows. Um, we haven't, you know, we haven't heard anything uh, to the contrary. So we're just trying to, you know, trying to figure this out and see what's, you know, see what's going on. I, I believe that China's getting a bit of a hold on it. Um, I believe that Italy right now, uh, to all our Italian friends and and. Uh, and uh, fans, you know, our hearts go out to them. Uh, Italy's dealing with something that's um, extremely scary and dangerous, and uh, we haven't really ever had a situation like this in the world, and now here we are. But uh, I have a lot of faith in the powers that be. There's a lot of smart scientists that are just completely probably working 24-7 on something right now. Um, and uh, just uh, having a lot of, you know, trying to stay positive in the whole thing and seeing if this will hopefully, um, you know, something here in the next couple of months or by the end of the year, they'll, you know, somebody will be able to manage figuring out what this is and, and how, how we can go about, uh, you know, uh, seeing what's going to be going on with this virus, or it could be the new, uh, way of life. I mean, we don't know. No one really knows. So, um, the biggest thing I, I try to tell people online is to, to please have no fear. Um, you know, stay diligent, wash your hands, you know, just use common sense um, and stop hoarding and stop creating panic. Um, you know, we're all in this together. So we're all here. We're just, there's no place else we can go. We're all here on this planet. So we're going to have to feel we have to deal with it. But hopefully with uh, hopefully with cooler heads and uh, more more education. Uh, towards this virus. I'm curious what you think of what KISS just announced, that they're not going to do meet and greets anymore because of this. I mean, they're always, they're in, like, you know, armor, like knight's armor, so I don't know if it would yeah. be... But, I mean, just in general, that that could also be 
I guess just if, I mean I guess it's just crazy. I mean we don't want to have to make this the coronavirus episode, but it's it, everyone's talking about it and it's affecting the rock world. So how can we not talk about it and see? Talk what, about it? No, absolutely. It's it's, it's something to, to to talk about and to uh, to have conversations and you know try to bring some uh, uh, educated uh, responses to uh, what what we're dealing with with all of us here in this world are dealing with right now. Uh, as far as Kiss, you know, canceling. Um, uh, Canceling meet and greets, I think it's a great thing, but also to, uh, you know, meet and greets, um, you know, it's it's a tough thing right now. You know, it really is. Um, as far as them canceling meet and greets, you know, that's great. That's on them, and I think it's um, smart to do so, uh, especially right now. While this isn't its, um, it, where we are right here, right now, um, and trying to, like I said, not to be redundant, but to, you know, to no one's really educated. There's so many different stories. There, uh, there's there's one strain now. From when I, when I understand, there's a second strain. You know, are, it's just all talk. You know, what is going on here? So, uh, you know, just precautionary measures. I guess people are taking right now to try to do what they need to do. And, you know, we have to work. We have to go out and play. We have to pay our bills. We have to feed our families. Um, I don't know if it's something that. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that are canceling their trips to Europe and abroad. Uh, and it's just a, you know, it's just a, a hallowed situation that we're we're in right now, and hopefully cooler heads will prevail. And again, education. Speaking of thing, getting things together, uh, as honest and direct as you can be, what is the easiest thing about getting a reunion of the original? the original Bullet Boys together and what's the most challenging? Because, you know, a lot of us fans, you know, love for the classic lineups of bands to get back, you know, like we love the early uh, Bullet Boys records and stuff and uh, yes, the energy there and the songs there. But uh, so what's the easiest part of getting those parties back together and what's the most challenging, as honest as you can be there? You know, Matt, there's not really an easy, there's not really an easy fix. Um it's taken a long time. Uh, there's been a, a lot of conversation, uh, a lot of, uh, how would you say, uh, you know, kind of like letting, I, I think the first thing is that you have to let the past go. If there was any type of, you know, issues with the past or arguments or what, what have you, you know, we're all individuals, we're all people, we all have our own uh, way we do things, we all have a, the way we say things. But I think the first thing is understanding and is sitting down at a table and, and wanting to do something that's not necessarily um, something that you, uh, how do you put this? Um, oh, my gosh. Something that's out of, out of your body, something that you want to do, something that's, that's way out of something that you were thinking about doing. Um, and, you know, the first approach to getting – something like we got together was starting with love, starting with love for each other, starting with um, uh, respect for the, uh, for the fact of the music that we did write, the times that we did spend, the, the arena tours, the stadium tours that we did in the past, um, all those things, and to let the little things go. Um, you know, we're all different people. The, the four of us original guys were, were, were all different. Um, so, but it also brings this catalyst of, you know, bombastic, uh, rock and roll because we're all different and mm -hmm. four of us get together. It's just this thing that happens with, as with, with all bands, um, all 
I would say with all great bands that have put out great music, there's there's always just that little thing that's just different within each other, and you find common ground. So uh, I, po- I apologize for being too wordy. I think common ground would be the first thing, and the common ground with love and wanting to do something special musically, and above all, to... We, the four of us, we have a lot of unfinished musical business with each other, and we have mm. a lot of unfinished business with our legacy. Um, mm. So those those were the catalysts that actually really brought it together. And um, I think one of the questions, the other question was, if it was easy. <clears throat> it was not easy. It's very, very mm. difficult. Um, but what makes it less difficult are open minds and open hearts and mm-hmm. abilities to uh, listen more than speaking. Um, I find that helpful in every form of, how would you say, communication that I have in regards to the music business as learning to be a listener more than a speaker. So I, I do that. I try to do that, you know, all the time as we, and we try to do that much more with each other. Um, and the fact that, you know, listen, none of this is getting any older. I mean, none of us are getting any younger, excuse me. We are at this point of wanting to do something outrageous, outrageously musical. Uh, and we all have this, this thing inside of us, the four of us, that we want to do something special for our fans, the people that have been there for us, you know, collectively all these years. Um, I've been playing without the guys for the past 10 years. Uh, with myself, Chad McDonald, uh, Nick Ross, and myself. <clears throat> um, a couple drummers that we, you know, had in and out. Uh, but, you know, for me, it was time to take a, take a couple steps in the direction that I really wasn't thinking about but really wanted to do. And now we're here. Um, we've been working on nothing but new music. So we're we're mm. diligently writing right now, kind of put myself away, not talking on the phone, not going out, just diligently working with some stuff. And and man, I just got to tell you, this I heard uh, Russ of something that me and Jimmy were working on yesterday, and this is going to be such a diverse and really rad record that people have been, you know, really expecting from us for, for a long time. So we're taking our musical prowess uh, into. Um, into a completely new direction uh, with new fortitude and uh, just a lot of new um, ideas and with this recharged uh, energy of wanting to do something special. You know, I hear a lot of music that are out there. I'm a fan of so many different bands and um, not anybody really taking risks or taking chances. So I think we're going to be trying to do that in this next uh, EP or album that we're writing right now. It sounds Excellent. It sounds like you're all in the right place mentally and emotionally that yeah. you could have like you probably could not have said everything you have said five years ago ten years ago I'm, I'm only assuming no. so how did you it's one thing for you to be there and often on this podcast I, I talk about the fact that I've been in therapy for a decade I talk about sure. you know I, 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 get, I always crack up whenever my therapist hears me on the radio and texts me I'm like, uh, <laughs> yes so you know, you know, can I can I be honest please. with you, Matt? Just to interrupt you, and apologize for oh, that. That's okay. It's your we show today. Individ- we as individuals in just normal life, and we as artists and musicians have to learn one thing, and it's something that I've learned, and I, I try to do it every day. You have to get out of your own way. 
Does that make any sense? It does. And and, and do you feel that, because that's how I felt, what I needed to do. And that's and the reason I, I, I share that, because I want the person on the other side, and, and we're all protected from the coronavirus here, because we're all on different sides of the of the country right now, separated by phone. But that's sure. how I get close to my person I'm talking to, because I want you to know that I've had struggles. I've had to hit my bottoms. And I know you've had, you know, your Myself struggles. Also. Yes. Right. So oh my gosh. it sounds like you're just yes. very self-aware and it's such a pleasure to hear. Absolutely. And it's, it sounds like it's going to come out in the music. No, it, it definitely is. And thank you for saying that. Um, you know, um, I have a very punk rock heart and a very punk rock mind and soul. Um, I don't have an ego. And that sounds really strange. Most, you know, lead singers, oh, you have lead singers disease. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, well, you know, I've heard some, you know, but... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a I'm a guy that does in, believes that there's no I in team. I I know there's an M E in there also, but I you know I'm not about that. Sure. Um, I really believe in the team aspect of things and uh, the village that you surround yourself and the people that that are you know you're surrounded with. Um, it's very very important. Um, I've made many many mistakes in in my musical career, and I've, I've played with amazing musicians and been signed to amazing um, labels. Um, but I really think learning how to get, and it's it's not the easiest thing to do to get out of your way. A lot of people stay in their own way. Yeah. So it it, it and it becomes um, uh, how would you say it? Um, oh gosh, I hate to use the the, the 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 wrong word, but it becomes like this uh, situation that you're constantly putting yourself in that you can't get out of. So if you just get move yourself out of your way for a second, get out of your own way, and really try to open up your ears and really listen to what someone's saying, because sometimes someone could be speaking to you, and it could be aggressive, but they're speaking out of fear of something. Right. You have no idea what, what, what that is. So you really got to go deep. And musicians and artists are deep people, man. You know, we have a lot of love, and we've all been through a lot of different things in our personal lives. So especially those that have like myself have, you know, worked their whole, you know, in the teens and, and their youth and everything else. And you've given everything to the rock and roll world. And, you know, you're sitting here going, oh, I've given everything and I got to give more. It's like, but that's the way life is. So if, if you can get out of your own way, I try to do that. And uh, people have been, cl- listen, people have been hollering at me so hard on social media and saying really awful things, thinking that I did not want this reunion to to to, to be, but but that's not the that's not the, the truth or the, the, the case in point. It was finding the right time to with all of us collectively, mm. where we all felt that it was the right time. So, yeah, I, I I understand it, that, and that's that's and you know yeah, yeah sir. that's that's just how you know you're older than I am. I Matt's a couple of years older. Than, I mean I'm. You know, late thirties. Matt's. I don't want to. You know what? I'll 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 keep your age uh, a secret. But you know, that's something that I, I've realized as I've gotten older as well. Like you just don't know how or why someone is coming at you from a certain perspective. And there's a time and place, and maybe it's not the right time. You know, maybe later it'll mm-hmm. be right at the time. And it, you, sometimes you just can't force it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, how is that coming out with the music as far as the subject matter? You know, it sounds like we're going to get a, a, a deeper Bullet Boys record lyrically, or no? You know what? I you know I always like the element of surprise. It's always the best. But um, to be honest, honest with you, I think people really need, really need something right now that uplifts people. 
that puts him in the puts him in the dance floor that takes him away from everything that's been going on on just on social media on social media uh, uh, you know uh, internet the TV what have you uh, just to kind of not be able to focus on I, I always love music and I think we all uh, especially you two on the phone we love music that kind of makes takes us away from all that and a lot of times artists I feel they are feeding that feeding the media or you know they, I don't know just um Something that takes you away from that. I think as artists, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to uplift people. We're supposed to be writers that, you know, not necessarily talking about or, or being um, uh, people, uh, newscasters, or, you know, or, or people that are, you know, trying to write about what's happening or in the news or be, be politically involved. I just don't think that's our job, the Bullet Boys. I think our job is to uh, to bring some fun and uplifting okay. Uh, thing mentally uh, to maybe take people out of their uh, their wheelhouse and to um, you know bring in, bring people joy. Um, I miss I miss people and bands that used to bring people joy, hmm. uh, and especially in these times right now. You know, especially with with everything that's happening in this world right now. I think we really need to be uplifted and we really need to have some positivity out there from some of these artists. Um, there's a lot of negative, not negative, but very dark, uh, brooding music sometimes, even pop music. Uh, I see a lot of lyrics about people talking about selling their souls. And, you know, that's a big thing these days, you know. And, you know, that's, I don't know. To me, that's not rock and roll. Rock and roll is an uplifting thing. I, I, I could be wrong, just my opinion. But something that takes you, you know, uh, away from just this, you know, that this bad normalcy or negativity. So I would definitely say, tell our fans that get ready for something that's going to be for summertime. That's going to want you want to throw your top down in your car. And if you don't have a, a rag top, maybe you go with a jigsaw and cut off the top of your car. <laughs> so at least you have a convertible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's where we're coming from. You know, we, the four of us are like, you know, the Marx brothers on steroids. I know that's a very old analogy to use, but for those of you, you who don't, do not know who, the, who Marx brothers are, you know, they they were extremely intelligent and, uh, you know, ridiculous comedy. And sure. we always, we still do. We, we you know, even in, in recording session yesterday, me and Jimmy are laughing at ourselves so much. We're laughing about this, laughing about that. And I think that comes out in our music. It really does when the four of us get together because we kind of take this, uh, this view of like, you know, everything else is like ridiculous and the world's falling apart. Let's completely not write something about that right now. <laughs> so <laughs> we're others do. We just don't. You know, we want to be uplifting and we want to try to tell people that, you know, hey, it's bad right now, but it's going to get better. John Lennon said, you know, got to believe it's getting better. It's getting better all the time. What did John say? It can't get no worse. <laughs> well, here's to get better. Um, Mark, speaking of fun music, um, I wonder if you could give us your most vivid memories of uh, cutting Smooth Up In You, because everything from the uh, your opening kind of howl on the intro to the whole thing, it's just a rock and fun. Uh, it always puts me in a great mood. I've listened to the song to this day. Sure, and, uh, awesome. what are, Thank you. What, what, are, what are your most vivid memories about cutting that uh, with uh, Ted Templeman? 
You know what? The most vivid is that Smooth Up actually was not going to be our single. Uh, mm. We had all, the four of us had all agreed that we were going to come out with How Are My Heels. And mm. that we thought that was going to be the single. And, you know, while, while Ted and uh, Jeff were, were mixing the record and, you know, we're all listening to it and everything else. And, you know, we're going, oh, we listen to How Are My Heels. Oh, my gosh, that's it. That's the one. You know, I can't wait till people hear this. And then two days later or a day later, we all get a call from Ted. He goes, listen. I just, we just finished mixing smooth and he goes, and you guys got to hear this. I think it's your guys a single. So we were like smooth. Really? Okay. Well, you know, even though we love the song. So when we heard it, we just, we knew from the, from the get go, from the, from the the first part of the song, the beginning of the song. And we're just kind of sitting there listening to it. And it was so, you know, being in the studio at one-on-one, you're sitting there and, and, you know, you were so young and we're listening to this, this massive sound that we've created and our uh, illustrious producer, Ted Templeman, who, who, and who created this, this sound and we're listening to stuff. And, and at the end of the song, we're just like, he goes, well, what do you think? And we always say, I think that's your single, you know, it's like, you, you just know it when you hear something. So with Ted, it was just like, we were always, he just let us be us. And, We'd go through, and we, you know, he'd always give us books to read or movies to watch to uh, encourage us to uh, lyrically and um, painting broad pictures with, you know, uh, with our music and painting, you know, with broad strokes. So he was, for me, the, our, you know, basically like our um, Sengali, if we can use that analogy, to sure. our music that really taught us a lot about really looking out out of ourselves and, you know, taking situations around us, you know, situations from movies or what have you and, and books to read. So, you know, he's always educating us on stuff. He was kind of, you know, like our Phil Jackson, basically. Hmm. <laughs> I like that. The Zen master. Um, a real quick uh, follow-up on that, Mark. Is it true that, uh, that you auditioned on guitar, for Ozzy's band after the great Randy Rhodes died. And what do you recall about that experience? Actually, I just didn't audition. I got chosen to play in Ozzy Osbourne's band. Mm-hmm. I was on the front page of the LA Times, said that I got the gig and everything and rehearsed with the band, hung out with Ozzy and Sharon, who I loved so much. They were so kind to me and so loving to me when that whole situation was. It was actually when Brad Gillis left the band, uh, left Ozzy's band to, to go to Night Ranger. Um, mm. And they didn't have a guitar player and they were also still grieving over the loss of Randy. So mm. when I got the sh- when I got the gig, it was actually presented to me through uh, one of my mentors who was Greg Jeffrey from Angel. Uh, he was mm. having a meeting actually with Sharon and Ozzy for something. Uh, it was very, very early in the morning and he gave me a call. I came up to his house and there's Ozzy and Sharon there, and I sat and played some guitar, and he asked me if I knew any of his songs, so I played Over the Mountain, and mm. I used to live, eat, and breathe that, you know, that first record, and, you know, all that, like all of us guitar guys wanted to be the Randy Rhodes hero and play those riffs and everything, so I was, you know, really, really constantly, that's all I did was I'd sleep with those records, you know? So mm. he was very, uh, just completely blown away by by the way I played and how young I was and asked me if, you know, if I would, you know, would like to come and 
maybe join his band and play in the band and do some rehearsals and stuff. I, I was completely, you know, it completely blew me away. So hence, from, from that point on, we just started hanging out. Uh, you know, he was really adamant about the way and the rhythms that Randy played and that he wanted me to play them correctly because none of the guys had been playing them right. <laughs> he would show me uh, movies in his house, um, a film of, of Randy in concert playing and really be adamant about the way his fingers are and the way, you know, the way he's playing and all, all those things. So, so when I rehearsed for the band, everything else, uh, Rudy Sarzo was, uh, and his wife, Becky was very, very loving to me. Um, very supportive and, and basically taught me the ropes as a young guy to, you know, maneuvering through all this craziness. And, uh, when it all came down to it, I was, you know, at my, living with my mom and dad and I was supposed to start their tour in England and uh, basically waited for two to three days and no one came to pick me up. So mm. I was r really confused. My my mom and dad were confused and um, my mother got a call from Sharon Osborne telling her that, you know, that they, they loved me, but they thought that I was too young and that uh, they're still grieving over Randy and they were going to pick up a guitar player by the name of Bernie Torme to do the mm. tour out in, in the UK. So as a young man, I was crushed beyond belief. How old were you uh, at the time? Because, uh, 19. Okay. 18, 19. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was pretty devastating, you know, cause you're like, you know, you start second guessing yourself, what well, wasn't good enough. And, yeah. What was going on, but it, when it all came down to it, you know, Ozzy just explained to me that he's that he thought I was just really too young, and that they were still grieving over Randy, and there was a lot of similarities between me and, and Randy when he met me, and uh, the youth and the ability to play, and wow. you know, and he just thought that it, it just wasn't the right time. So hmm. that happened, and you know, it, he, he bought me guitars from Charvel and had some stuff made and, and some equipment and. And I kept that, and Sharon said, "Keep this good. We love him very much, and we're sorry this happened." But that was basically my stint with 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 Ozzy. And then uh, right after that, you know, one of my closest friends and best friends, and another mentor, uh, two of them were Robin Crosby and uh, Stephen Piercy from Rat. Okay. Mm. Uh, really, really close with those guys, and uh, Stephen was, you know. Everybody was so excited that I got the gig, you guys. You know, like all my friends, and you know, they were so happy for me. So when it, it didn't happen, they 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 kind of got you know like, what? Wow, you just respected one of our own from L.A. That's fucked, you know. So Stephen was all about mm. that. So he's like, hey man, you know, I know that didn't work out. You know, what do you think about being a rat? Because you're going to be a rat now. You're going to come and play in my band. Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow. You know, holy cow! I was like tripping. I was like, because they were like my one of my favorites on the strip. They were amazing, you know. Mm. So at that point, I joined Rat, and uh, Robin Crossfield was one of my closest friends ever. I just God bless him. Mm. Like rest in peace. He was God. You guys have no idea what a sweet, amazing, beautiful soul that guy was, and taught me a lot when I was very very young, and of course. King's best friend was Nikki. Said so, Nikki Six. So you know, yeah, I'm I'm getting thrown into this whole mix of all these guys that are just, you know, older than I am and just a bunch of badasses. So <laughs> you know, I really showed me the ropes, man, and, and taught me a lot. Steven had a had a goal to get signed and be one of the biggest bands ever, 
and he had a mindset on it. And, and I, I really do believe that I learned that mindset from him. Um, he was uh, every day was rat every single day. There was there, there wasn't one day that went by that he wasn't doing something for the bad. And at the time, he's gonna he's gonna go, oh dude, why did you tell him that story, bro? It's like because I have to tell a story because he was so you know I have so much love for him and, and he was so adamant and so driven. And when you're seeing that with somebody every day, and he had this he had this. Uh, uh, Dotson 210, this green Dotson, and we go around and put flyers up on, um, you know, on telephone. Every place to go, I go and do this with them. You know, every time we're going to do a show, he'd always crank uh, Judas Priest. So he'd crank <laughs> Judas Priest out there, you know. And then, you know, we, we he just became really we became really tight. I was one uh, myself and Robin and Stephen um, wrote one of the first hit songs was, uh, which is, uh, you think you're tough. So mm. when I came into the band, Bobby Blotzer just came in and Juan Crucier and both of them were playing with Dawkins. So these guys have been touring, you know, all abroad and everything already. So I'm just basically coming straight out of, you know, Montebello, Monterey Park area, had this thing with Ozzy, and Steven throws me in his band, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, whoa, you know, because he loved me, and I was, ta- you know, I'm talented, he believed I'm talented, and, but Bobby wasn't, um, wasn't the nicest uh, guy to me in that band, ever, so I had a, I had a, you know, it was really difficult to get him to, to like me, or the, my playing and stuff, and uh, Juan was completely different, he, you know, he was, really helpful and very sweet and even though they were older so it was a difficult time in that band you know when I ended up leaving or when I ended up being let go uh, Warren came and started playing and they did their first EP so um, I got to see them you know be so gigantic everywhere and I think that really it was a driving force for me to do something special and that's eventually what led me into doing the Bullet Boys they always say something happens for a reason. You had a, a lot of some things. <laughs> yeah. I was signed with Motown when I was a kid, too. That's the first label I was signed with. Um, mm. I believe that I'm still I'm part of the Motown family. Benny Medina and Carrie Ashby Gordy Jr. signed me to a company, um, to a production company called Pocket Rock Productions. And uh, I came in and was put on a record called Cagney the Dirty Raps. And I sang some songs on there and worked with some amazing, amazing unbelievable world un, un, out of this world artists uh, that were on that record of course one of them was the great uh, is the great uh, Smokey Robinson the Temptations Junior Walker played horn on that record uh, Rick Spring uh, uh, there were so many people that were, were that helped write that stuff uh, for that record and to be signed to Motown as an artist was still is probably one of my biggest stories that I had in their musical career Right on. Mm. Excuse me. Rick Rick James did a lot of writing. I, I apologize. Rick James was it's just amazing. I'm a huge fan of Rick James. He did a lot of work on that record and writing. And, um, so, wow. Yeah, my, my background's really vast uh, musically, and uh, uh, there's a lot of things that, uh, that I look back on to and that I feel very, very grateful for that happened in, that happened in my career. Where did your relationship with Axl Rose come into all of this? Because you're working with so many people. Obviously, you're, you're well-known. You know, you're, it's around the same time. Uh, where was Guns N' Roses on your radar? And 
Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I love him with all my heart, man. He's an amazing, amazing man, and uh, we go way back. I mean, uh, when I was playing with Rat, um, Axel and Slash would come to the Rat shows, and they'd stand right in front of me watching me play guitar, and uh, they didn't, I don't know if the Guns was around, or they were just starting Guns back then or something, but uh, I think that's when we first met. And when I first started playing in Hollywood, it was with my high school band, I started playing at the Troubadour. So I kind of would bump into those guys all the time, you know, here and there. And, uh, you know, that's when Metallica was playing clubs and, you know, when they were opening up for crazy band. I mean, there was all kinds of things that were happening there uh, very early on. But um, I always and still do have a mad respect and love for Axel because when we were coming up in the Bullet Boys and they were coming up, we'd always hang out and bump into places in you know, cat club, a cat house or what have you whiskey. And we'd always be hanging out and, you know, and he, he, he'd always tell me, he goes, man, you know, I'm, I'm so happy for you and you guys are doing it. And he goes, you know, me and Saul used to come and see you play it with Rad. I said, no, do you always hang out? He goes, oh man. So even when they were, you know, becoming so huge and we, we saw them take off, like within, when we first came out, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you know, we went gold in like five months. We, we it just went bam, and we hit. And uh, Guns of Appetite had been out for almost a year and a half, and they, yeah. they hadn't gone, they hadn't hit gold yet. Kind of was stalling. Um, and I remember having a conversation with Ax, and he's going, man, he goes, you guys just popped gold out, popped gold out of the box, man. We're, you know, we're still waiting around, and the record's still doing. I go, dude, this, the record's going to be like gigantic and he's like you think so i go no it, it, it's incredible i mean you, it's just going to take a little time because it's so different he's like yeah you know a sweet child of mine i think we're going to release that and we don't know you know we're not too sure about it and i was like oh my god you get you guys when you guys do that i think it's going to just explode so sure enough a year and a half later we're on the road and we come back, and I'm sitting in the back of the bus, and I'll never forget this. Because I, I didn't have Axel's number at the time. The manager comes back, and he's looking really bummed out. And what's the matter? He goes, man, Guns N' Roses, they're taking off. The, the record's, you know, just flying out now. I go, they, they finally, you know, they'd hit that wave. It's it's on for them. And I, and I was asking, well, where's ours at? You know, I was like, well, it kind of stalled at this. But it's, you know, I'm like, oh, man. But I remember being so happy for Axel because, the guys had worked so hard, and it still wasn't, you know, at, at that point, it still it wasn't like, it was getting played everywhere, right? But the sales hadn't hit that, you know, that gigantic thing, and then finally it just was like, boom, you know? And uh, <laughs> I remember we were at the Whiskey for something. And back in the day, I, I mean, I still do. I'm a close horse, so I love to. I'm all about fashion. So I, I'm mm -hmm. coming into the whiskey, and I have this big ten-gallon black cat dressed in black, but, but, but suede. I'll never forget suede boots, real spurs. I'm walking around clinking down Sunset Boulevard, right? Nice. <laughs> for real, for real, right? Like hard, with a couple of my friends. We walk in the whiskey, and fucking someone comes up to me, a friend of mine. She goes. Hey, Axel's upstairs, you know, he wants you to come up and talk to him. I was like, oh, well, I can't move. Tell him to come down here. So she comes back and she comes because he can't move either. So I said, okay. So we go, the place is packed. I walk up there and 
he's sitting there looking so rad, his beautiful fur coat, his hat, and he's looking all sexy, you know. So, well, you know, I'm having my hat on. <laughs> my butt trip on, too. It's like, I kind of wave and sit, so I sit next to him, and he goes, what's that? I'm an infected. I go, I'm just going to tell you that. What's that? So, congratulations. And he goes, he looks at me, he goes, man, what a fight that was. He goes, <laughs> 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 I'm laughing and he's laughing. He goes, fuck, Mark, I love you, bro. He goes, you never change, man. I said, no, fuck no, dude. I'm always going to be the same, bro. So I just uh, I just love him to death. And um, I hold him in very high regard because of his work ethic and how he hasn't stopped. And I think on a lower tier, way lower tier than him, I'm the same way. You just don't quit. You keep on going. You keep on writing. You keep on performing. I mean, with the guys from our genre, myself included, there's not a lot of guys that can still sing like we could sing. Yeah. I can still do it. And one of the only people I really see that can still do it is Axl Rose. Mm. He's out there performing. He's out there moving. He's out there doing his thing. He's out there singing like that. He goes, my brother goes and sings with ACDC, okay? Yeah. You, you, mad respect, bro. I mean, come on. Out of our genre, it, uh, it was he like 56? My age? Yeah. The guy's out there sing, singing like a bird, performing. He, he looks more happy than I've ever seen him, and I haven't spoke to him in years, okay? okay? But I know this for a fact. When we do speak, we're not going to speak, speak about music. We're going to speak about our dogs. <laughs> We're going to speak about our family. We're going to speak of probably other, anything else than music because I think he's in the same thing. Sometimes I don't really like talking about music. I'd rather talk about my dog. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'd rather talk about my mom and dad. Or you know, My dad just turned 91. I love my dad. Congrats. Hey, to my, to my father, 91 years old, and he looks like he's 61 years old. It's just, like incredible. Mm. So, Good news for you. Harley. Still, still has a still just bought himself a Corvette about last year. It's like yeah, nice. My dad's my dad's out of control. So, <laughs> definitely, um, I you know just just be perfectly honest with you. I I see him and you know I see Slash and Dove and what they've been doing here recently, and it's it's just incredible. And the shows have been incredible. They sound incredible. Um, I have nothing but love for for Axel and, and Guns N' Roses. They definitely have, you know, out of our genre, it, it's my face. You know, they kept on persevering. Um, and also Metallica, keep on persevering. I have a strong love for those guys. Those guys were very, very supportive in the beginning of Bullet Boys, as was Guns. Um, you know, James would come to the shows all the time uh, to come and see us and wish us well and, you know, uh, talk shit to us, and you know, <laughs> you know. So he was always there. You know, it's a lot of his cats. Um, uh, switching gears a bit, uh, you know, the mighty Ed Van Halen and his brother Alex Van Halen were huge catalysts in the beginning of our career. I mean, uh, Ed would just show up and you know, knock, come knocking at our bus in the middle of nowhere with Valerie. He's like, "What's going on? Get in here! People are going to mob you right now." <laughs> you know, so. We've learned a lot from, from a lot of great people that have been around us. But, uh, you know, thank you for asking me about Axel because I never get a chance to shout his praises. Okay. And uh, I think it needs to be done. I sit here a lot of times and go, man, why isn't anybody talking about that 
beautiful man that's singing his ass off every night for everybody and giving out people, giving people so much love. It is not easy at that age for, with your heart and all that passion that he has to get up there and, and deliver the goods every night, man. That's what, you know, that's what we learned. That's how this, the school that we all came from that time. Another person is Sebastian. You know, he's out there mm, delivering yeah. the goods every night. Don't, don't matter what's going on, you know, he's, he's out there delivering the goods, performing, singing to the best of his ability. You know, I, I don't see too many guys doing that. I, I thought I was one of the only guys that, you know, just leaves it all out there on the, on the floor. But, you know, there's like two guys that I have to give mad respect for that I've seen perform, and I know they've seen me perform. And you just go, man, I just love this guy. He's really giving it all still. But... I also see a lot of guys from my genre looking at their watch on their hand. <laughs> right. And you're going through the motions, which is kind of like, you know, come on, man. You know, I saw that a little bit the, the couple of shows that we, we got finished playing. I just, I, maybe I'm ignorant to the fact that I don't know any other way how to do it as a performer, but I'd sure like to see more people performing like Mick Jagger performs, like Iggy Pop performs, like, you know, like the great David Bowie performed before, before he passed away, may he rest in peace. But cats that were before us, you know, that really, you know, one of my favorite groups of all time is MC5. I mean, I mm. sit and watch mm. some of these performances that they did, and that, that's, that's what I'm all about. <laughs> it's all about giving it all. James Brown, you know, I, you, you got to be that person. You, you touched on it before how fans could give you hate about whatever it is. I, I don't know. We're just a weird species, and there's always a section of, of people sure. that they'll find negative in everything. So, sure. you know, uh, criticism of David Lee Roth, you know, his voice or even Axel's voice. But for me, and I've said this right. on, on the show, as long as they're up there performing, giving their all, and it looks like they're having fun, which Axel and David Lee Roth, absolutely. I, I, I never thought I would ever see Axel Rose smile. As much as like I know, it just right? plastered That's on his so face, awesome. like a Cheshire cat, or <laughs> it's just plastered on his face, and 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 that's all you can ask for. And it's the same thing coming from you, Mark. You, the, this whole hour we've been talking, it's just been nothing but. I feel like you've been saying everything with a smile on your face. Like that's how it, it really does feel. Like you're just so oh, happy you. in such a good place, and I think that's really exciting for fans. And thank you because a lot of the reaction I would get were. You know, underrated band. You know, wish they stayed together longer. They could have done more. And you, you said it. You, you, it's unfinished business what you guys have. And yes. I think we're all grateful. Especially, I mean, you could say it better Thank than you. I can because there are so many people from your era who did not make it. And you, right? And I mean that. You know, just in life. Not. I'm not talking about just a no, career-wise. Sure. So you. You know, your your and your 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 boys, your bullet boys, to sound super corny or oh my gosh, all alive, and you're you're doing it, and you know, and that's what hey, makes me really happy you. about Axel and Slash. I mean, I know we could talk about yeah, Izzy man. and Steven Adler, but I mean, it's just we're all alive. They're 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 out performing. You know, I'm glad Steven, even though he's not with uh with oh, GNR, you know, yeah, he seems to be guy. happy performing. Yeah, can you tell us um. He- a little bit maybe about like the early days, maybe like a fun Steven story or an Izzy, like a fun sure. Izzy story. He was in Bullet Boys in the 90s, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Didn't he play drums? say that. Yeah, we, okay. we put uh, Steven into the Bullet Boys for a minute, me and Lonnie. And uh, we, we really had a good time. Uh, you know, and, and we had just discovered uh, DJ Ashba. 
So um, DJ also played with the Bullet Boys, was the first band he played in. Um, we discovered DJ in the Valley. And I'll never forget, we were uh, right. We were talking with Stephen and me and Lonnie, of course, we're really close to the guys from Guns. And we were talking, Stephen, what are you doing? Well, I believe I'm doing this and doing that. And Lonnie was like, get your butt over to rehearsal. Why don't you come play some music with us? He's like, okay, shit. So he comes over to rehearsal. And we start playing, and, you know, he knew our songs, and he was pl- he was playing at a very, you know, really cool high level at that point. And we've always just been really great friends. I mean, I, I met Steven just skateboarding up and down Sunset Boulevard, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's what we used to do. We <laughs> were really crazy young, and, <clears throat> and Steven's always just been such a light in the darkness, always just, you know, leading with that beautiful smile, and always so loving and, and everything else, you know, and uh, to see him persevering through his, uh, through his illnesses in his life is just, you know, to me is always just, you know, kind of like a, sh- a shining star to see that he's continually doing it, you know, irregardless of what anybody, irregardless of what anybody says, irregardless of what have you, he's out there doing it, man, where most people would just say, oh, I don't need to do this anymore, you know, he's doing it for the love of it, and he loves music, and he loves playing. Yeah, and that's uh, can't that's, argue that. that's uh, very special. Uh, two other people that you know, I, I I'm, I've mentioned these two people in some of my interviews, but and why I do is because um, I've been very fortunate to be the best years in, in, uh, brought into a tribe of amazing musicians uh, who I revere and uh, have a lot of uh, respect for as um, uh, musicians, but also have become close. Uh, people in my life, uh, some closer than others. Uh, one of them that I would give mad respect for uh, first would be uh, Mr. David Grohl and the Foo Fighters. Um, mm. I cut my last I cut my last record uh, from Out of the Skies uh, at 6:06 and was uh, invited in by David uh, with the music, heard the music that I wrote and loved it. And uh, I, I knew most of the band because I love the guys so much. And me and David had never met, so. I think the second day we were doing drum tracks at 606 and uh, it was at nighttime. And uh, I kept on asking, you know, is Dave ever going to come in? You know, and I was talking to Taylor. I love Taylor to death and the guys and Shifty. And he goes, ah, I'm sure he comes in. He goes, you know, he really wants to meet you. He, you know, all of us know you. We've known you for, but you know, you guys have never really met. And I was like, fuck, oh, that's so weird. It's like, yeah, okay, you're right. So, uh, you know, in the evening time, there's nobody in the studio. It's just me and and, and a two and an engineer and producer, and the door comes swinging open the, uh, to the to the uh, where the parking lot was. And when I say swinging open, I mean swinging open. Bam! The door opens up, right? I'm standing right there in the lobby, and David. And he looks at me and goes, "I fucking know you, <laughs> right?" And I go, "Oh my gosh!" And like he had a smile on his face, kind of. And I go, I fucking know you too, but I kind of don't know you. And he comes over and his arms are open. He goes, and now you do. <laughs> so we started laughing and I hugged him. We hugged him. You know, I'm starting to tear up a little bit because, you know, I, I just love him to death. And to get an opportunity that he, you know, loved my music and would bring me the bullet boys and let me come in and record. He looks at me and he goes, do you know how long I've been wanting to meet you? There's like six degrees of separation between me and you, and I have a lot to talk to you about. <laughs> uh, I love that. So, so I'm up, listen, man, I'm fucking cracking up, right? And I'm laughing, and he's, you know, he's, and he looks at me and he goes, and I go, you know what, man? I said, I'm sorry I'm being so, so emotional. And he's, 
such a sweetheart and an angel. He grabbed my face and he says, Mark, listen to me. You're supposed to be here. I want you here. I was like, fuck. I get emotional just talking about it. And uh, it was hard because I've been through so much in my personal life. And trust factor kind of leaves when you've been through a lot of personal bad shit. Yeah, I got you. You're seeing seeing this hero and this guy you've never met, but you know the guy's in the band and loved him to death. And he starts talking to me about when he first started the Foo Fighters. He said, Mark, did you live on a street called Satsuma, like in the 90s? And, I'm, you know, to get a question like that from, you know, from David, you're just like, that's a weird question. Yeah. yeah. Very so random. Did, did, you drive a, did you drive a white truck? I go, yeah. We go, he goes, and we both go, it was a Scottsdale at the same time, <laughs> right? And so I'm looking at him going, he goes, and he's looking at me like, listen to me, check this out. When I first started with Nate, we lived in an apartment complex right next to you. I go, get the fuck out of here. There's no because we lived right next to you. We see you all the time. And, and I go, why didn't you come up, you know, and say, hey, what's going on? He goes, and he looks at me with that look, and he goes, you just don't go up to Mark Torian and say, hey, what's going on? I was like, oh, my God, stop it. Right? He took it. Like, we're laughing at shit. Jeez. He goes, but here's the story. We lived underneath this chick. I think her, she goes, her name was Miranda, and she was beautiful, Mark. She was fucking so hot. He goes, every time when you would leave, she would come out on the, on the the veranda and come out and say, I love that guy. I'm going to marry him. She would blow you kisses and stuff. And she goes, okay, you guys, you guys are going to be my lookouts. When you see that guy come out, you let me know. Cause I'm going to be his wife one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So he's telling me the story. Okay. You guys. So he goes, so the minute we would see the white truck, we come running out and go, the white truck's leaving. The white truck's leaving. <laughs> That's so random and so. <laughs> so and, and I'm on the floor, right? Because he's telling the story, and I'm just I'm cracking up, right? So he tells me a couple other things, you know, that he he I came from Montebello, and that he they had rented a house when he first started the food fires out of Montebello. There was like really great stories, like it was just like how come we've never, you know, been able to, and he goes, man, every time you were in some place, I had just been here. He goes, kind of like the Ross up the street from you. He goes, I shop there too. So I'm, I'm just missing you. I'm so, like, so it was, it's just one of those real cool conversations that you rad conversations that you never think that you're going to have with somebody that's a hero to you. So he's just meant to, you talk about a, a musical prowess and, and not stopping. That's David Grohl and the Foo Fighters. Woo. Can't mess with them. I agree. You know, other than it was still one of the best concerts. I've only seen them once, but it was it was one of those ones that I left and became a bigger fan. And I was already a a huge fan going in. I was like, "Whoa, this guy is a showman, uh, for sure." But he just leads it all out. So with all these two hours of craziness, I think it was longer than that. I think it was like nearly. It it wasn't. It wasn't quite uh, Guns N' Roses long, but it was. It was long. (laughs) No. But with all these people yes. that you've met, whether it's back in the day that you've had, you know, good relationships with, and I, I understand time could, you know, make it. You, you guys aren't Snapchatting each other, you and Ozzy or you and Axel, but no. you know, you no. come, you come you're, it's good relationships regardless. And same thing with Dave Grohl. Do you foresee yes. or do you want? I want more rock collaborations, like there are in other genres, yes. like there are in country, yes. like there are in pop. Yeah. I mean, can you foresee yourself working with Dave Grohl? I mean, he seems like somebody that would make I an would '80s to. metal record. You know? 
Like he would just uh, do I would it. love to have Dave and me sing on a song together. That would be um, epic. I can tell you that the last person, and I will save the best for last, is one of my closest friends, and I haven't seen him lately. We've been really busy. But a person that really helped change my mindset on things and is so educated and is such a brilliant man and has been through hell of stuff in his personal life uh, is my, my, my brother and my angel and, and one of my mentors uh, is the great uh, Jesse Hughes from the Eagles of Death Metal. Okay. Um, he is my guy. He's one of my besties, period. Uh, I go to him many times for things that, you know, are heavy in life and chat with him. And he's really taught me a lot, man. I mean, he's been through so much and God bless him, you know, and, uh, uh, going to the Bataclan terrorist, um, situation, his band and you know, years wow. ago and yeah. still dealing with, you know, what he has to deal with. And, uh, uh, we did a col- collab last year, uh, on from out of the skies. Um, me and Jesse, uh, sang on a song called D evil, which is our first, um, released off that record uh, uh, last year. It's a cool track on From Out of the Skies. I also really like High Five, Drive By, and Apocalypto. On oh, that thank record. you. Thank you. Oh, so, I mean, so me and Jesse did a thing in D-Evil, and, you know, it's just like it works so rad, and we had such a good time, and um, we became became so close. We've done a lot of performances here and, uh, together, um, also with this amazing and very, very close friend, uh, bassist by the name of Jenny V. Uh, have to shout, let's give her a shout out and the great, uh, slim Jim Phantom, her boyfriend always been, they've been so loving to me and so supportive. I can't even tell you, man, Eagles of death metal and Jesse and, and the band and, and, uh, Davy Joe catching, um, all the cats like, uh, you know, from Queens of the stone age, they've all been so supportive of me in my quest to keep on writing and performing at, at a high level that I, I can't even tell you. I just, I feel so blessed with a lot of these people that are in my life. And it's not an everyday thing. It's not like, you know, okay, we're talking every day on the phone. It's, but it's, it's this thing, man, that you've got a great village behind you and, and, and the people that, that love you for what you are, regardless of a musician or whatever, but love you as a person. And I think that's really helped me to keep on playing musically because there's been times now where I just wanted to stop. I'm done, you know? Like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And, uh, you know, a lot of my friends tell me, oh, you're, you're out of your mind. You just take a little break, you know? And then I take a little break and I come back to it and start writing and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, they were right. You know, so Jesse definitely has been, a, has been there for me, you know, all these years and uh, I can't thank him enough and, and the band uh, for just being so amazing. Jarma and uh, the drummer and and for them to bring me into their tribe, I was able to work with Jesse on the um, Super Troopers 2 movie. Okay. Uh, I played guitar and sang with them on that. And uh, you did a covers record here lately, which uh, I was a part of also. So he always brings me in. And I love that he brings me in. And I just, I just love him to death, man. He's one of the greatest, sweetest people that I've ever, ever met um, around me. And uh, I just love him to death. And I want to thank him for being my friend. And you're a part of a, another group, and this just may be silly. I don't know if Matt even noticed it, but it, I can't help but just being a, an East Coast guy, and I've been told this is an L.A. thing, you're an L.A. guy, but a, a certain word that you've used throughout the, the podcast that other guests of mine have used. So this is uh, from David Kushner from Velvet Revolver, so he said this word a, a lot. <laughs> I love David. so rad. It was so rad. Okay, so and we got Brain from Guns N' Roses Primus. It's rad. Totally. 
And then uh, Kerry Kelly um, from Slash's Snake Pit. It's pretty rad. So, because <laughs> I first heard it when Duff and Axel did uh, like a TV interview when they finally got back together. It was like a couple years ago. And this is Duff. That's pretty yeah. radical. And I'm like, he sounds like a mixture. So, so you, you said rad a few times, So, but that's okay. We, we love you anyway. <laughs> Sorry. I, oh, no, yeah. It, <laughs> I, couldn't uh, help, I couldn't help it's, it. It's an instilled thing that we I, we have. You know, you, I, I grew up skateboarding, so it's like in surfing. So it's kind of, and when you grow up in that, in Cali, everything's, that's, it's kind of your go-to thing. Rad could be everything. And like, rad could even be like, dude, that's rad. Like, not good. <laughs> I, I got my go-to words, too. I, I, I just love sure. it because I'm a Ninja Turtles guy. You know, that's even one of the logos of this podcast. Is... Nice. <laughs> Matt, Aww. do you have any questions before? Uh, yeah, we... Matt. Uh, so, Mark, uh, real quick, um, is it true Speaking of people that have done it a long time, that Gene Simmons was supposed to produce the uh, Bullet Boys debut album. And if so, did you anything kind of cool you picked up from uh, being around Mr. Simmons, if that's true? Yes, that is true. And uh, I've known Gene and Paul for many, many years. And I actually was chosen to be a guitar player in Kiss for a bit. Whoa. That we didn't show yeah. <laughs> Can you talk about I've that? I've known Gene and Paul yeah. since I was about 17, 16, 17 years old. Um, Gene and Paul were brought in to see me at the Troubadour when I had my high school band by um, my mentor, Greg um, Jeffria. So I've known but Gene and Paul. have come to see me play since I was a little kid. So I've known them for a long time. And yes, Gene was going to produce our first record. Um, he was working at the time and he was coming up to us and, you know, he, he loved the band and, you know, he loved me and I, I loved him to death. And, uh, I, I don't know what happened. I think, I, I think what happened is that we were, he wanted to do the record and we were, we were busy still writing kind of. And when we finally finished with all the writing and everything, uh, our manager, David Kaplan, shout out to Dave Kaplan, love you at the time. He, um, we started seeking out different labels and he came to us um, with Warner brothers. And there was mm-hmm. a beautiful angel that worked there. Her name, uh, may she rest in peace. Her name was um, Roberta Peterson. I'm sorry. Roberta Peterson just happened to be Ted Templeman's sister. So mm-hmm. when she came to see us play at our, at our rehearsal studio, we just fell in love with her, but she was just amazing and just so sweetheart and beautiful and uh, really got us. And, you know, got our humor, and we sat there and laughed for hours. And, and uh, you know, she said, you know, I really want my brother to, to listen to you play it. We had no idea who her brother was. So we're thinking, you know, her younger brother or something, and three days later, we get a call from management. He says, hey, listen, Roberta's brother's going to come down and see you guys play. And so we're like, well, who's her brother? And she and he tells us, her brother's Ted Templeman. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, man. So we weren't really ready to go and play for him, but it was he was going to come down, and so we're like, okay, let's get our shit together and get out there. He came down. We just had the best time with him. Sat there for hours and played him songs. And he said, "Listen, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm tired of hearing songs." And he's taking his notes, and he listened to everything. He raised his hand and started laughing. And he looks at us and smiles and takes down his reading glasses. He says, "How'd you guys like to do a record together?" And we were just like, "Yes." <laughs> So we became really close, man. It was just like, um, 
Mo Austin, Lenny Warnocker, Ted Templeman, Roberta Peterson, Russ Thyret, um, all the people at Warner Brothers at the time. It was a family, uh, and we were signed to a family. And uh, that family really pushed us and uh, taught us so much. And uh, my heart still is with Warner Brothers. they the ones that took a chance with us. Um, where other labels weren't even thinking about that. Ted took the chance with us and... Uh, and got and we all got the fruits of, of of our awards with you know having Ted Templeman you know as our producer it's like still to this day I mean there's he's produced a couple rock bands I think maybe Honeymoon Suite was one of them but nothing to other than Van Halen us um, uh, oh gosh uh, Doobie Brothers Michael McDonald uh, Linda Ronstadt um, there's of course it goes on and on with Ted. But we were one of those bands that, you know, that it's just the records that he's done with us were just classic. You put them on now and it sounds like they recorded yesterday. So I still have a copy of the 88 Warner's debut, uh, Ode to Joe, Shoot the Preacher Down. We talked about Smooth Up In You. And I have yeah. to tell you this, Mark, before I let you go, um, sure. I still listen to that record, but I also have on my, like, uh, Spotify like a playlist I listen to when I go grocery shopping because it makes grocery shopping <laughs> suck less, right? No. So, uh, so uh, the, your cover of the OJ's For the Love of Money came on my po- playlist, and I was in the middle of the grocery store, like the frozen section, and I was like rocking out with my grocery cart. Like I was like, wow, I'm glad someone isn't looking at me right now because I look crazy, but that track still jumps, still gets me moving. Uh, all these years later. So, so uh, thanks for your oh, music, man, you, man. And thanks for this conversation. Oh, listen, thank you for having me. And thank you for the conversation. I was, uh, I hope I wasn't a little bit too wordy. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, people that they always tell me beforehand, you know, I just did an interview here and, and it was completely not rad. And they, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just like, wow, this guy wasn't saying anything and really didn't sound like he wanted to be there. But huh. You know, I'm really, I'm really excited about the future of our band, and I really want to thank you from my heart for putting me on, on, and having this interview, iHeart, and, and, and yourself too, Matt. Thank you so much. If there's any other questions that I haven't answered, please let me know. But uh, thank you for having me, and I, I got to tell you, I'm going back to work right now. I'm listening right now, writing lyrics, and we're working on a hell of a record right now for everybody. You're gonna have to to update us when it's it's finally out, and. Kind of in the same thought process or dancing process as as Matt. I'll just never forget, just again, my age group, this is when at least VH1 still played videos. I mean, MTV yeah, was kind absolutely. of... Yeah, absolutely. So what was used to be great about VH1 was all the, the top countdowns. And they, they had so much of yeah. hair metal and, and, and metal. So and, and that's what really informed me as someone who, who grew up afterwards. And I'll tell you, the first time... The smooth up in the video came on and your vocals hit. I really could argue that might be the song that got me into that whole entire genre. Like that, mm. it's just, it's that song, it's just the way it rocks your voice. Thank you. And just, it really peeled away of any sort of dismissal of just, oh, it's just a hair band. Like, it's just, that yeah. really means a lot to me that you said that. Thank you so much. You're you're welcome, and it's it's still something really just does. like Matt. It's still you guys are still on my playlist. So to find out, you know that you guys are back together. It, it's the original guys. It's not just um just the tour just to reunite. That there is a next chapter. 
and you guys are all still, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not like you're, you're to, it's not like you're 70. There's still plenty of time no. to do plenty of stuff, and that's just, um, yes. you know, it's exciting for everybody, and I'm glad that all of you are in a, in a great place, and uh, this was just oh, when it was you. meant to happen. So, uh, Mark, yeah, until definitely. next time, I, I, please come back and update us on the on the new album and what's going to go forward for Bullet Boys 2020, 2021, and and beyond. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for saying those beautiful and lovely words, and I appreciate it. There's one thing I can sign off with. I just want to tell everybody, let's all love on each other. Uh, let's all stay calm. Stop fear-mongering. And, and the most, of, most of all, irregardless of whatever um, denomination you are, have faith. Have yeah. faith in mankind. Have faith in each other. Have faith in your families. And just have faith. Stand in faith. I think a lot of people don't have that. I have a lot of faith. I believe in God. Um, uh, I don't, I'm not a religious man, per se, but I have faith. And I believe in God, the Lord, and the Holy Spirit. Um, there's things that, that are completely sometimes out of our control. But I think if we really stay diligent and we love on each other and be patient with each other, all things come to pass. So just out there, man, you know, keep on rocking. Don't stop going to shows if you don't have to. I think people are going to still be going to shows. Now, if something comes down where it's just mandatory, I get it. But let's not live our lives in fear, man. Live our lives in knowledge and continue loving on each other out there, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. I really appreciate it again. Uh, you taking the time. Time's very precious to me. You and Matt. Brandon, and taking the time to have me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. You got it. Wow, what a great conversation. Just the vibe that he gave off and how happy he sounded to, to be here, to talk. And I mean, just wow. I mean, we didn't need to go into the details of just some of his uh, you know, darker experiences in life, but if you know about him and just to hear where he is now, it's like Steven Adler. It's like nothing short of a miracle. And you're just you're just so happy to, for the guy, honestly. Not just as a fan, but just for the guy. You're happy for where he is in life right now. You can hear the positive uh, vibrations from Mr. Martorian, definitely. And, uh, you know, like his uh, backstory, gosh, with the Kiss stuff, what, like with the Aussie stuff, with the Rad stuff, like <laughs> uh, he, he got, you know, I mean, sold a lot of records and uh with bullet boys and has songs that people still listen to and love today from that uh that time but you know before getting there just you know kind of the back roads he went through and uh, uh he sounds great and i'm psyched i really hope i get a chance to see this bullet boys reunion hopefully they'll come here through uh nashville or atlanta or something yeah same for me uh here in in new york um it, it, it's something else it, it really is, and I I love the the attitude of just that's how, you know what when when he was talking it just made me feel like these are things that hopefully Axel is feeling and GNR is feeling that it's it was the right time and you know who knows and um, you know I wasn't really going to get into it with him but you kind of hope the same thing happens eventually with mm -hmm. Dizzy and Steven, but we don't know all the details you know and uh, sure. I'm not going to ask him to to speculate. But uh, I do want to talk to you before we get out of here, mm -hmm. of course, not just with your your great questions, because I, I knew I almost forgot about it. to ask him about the Black Sabbath thing or excuse me, the Aussie thing. So thank you for remembering. And I had no idea about the kiss uh, that he was kind of a member of kiss. Like, 
Did you know that? I had never heard that before. And I got a chance maybe 12 years ago to interview Mark when I was working for a media outlet in Greenville, South Carolina. And they, there was a really good uh, metal club. A lot of bands like Blood Boys came through there. And he was a great interview then, too, and uh, a good uh, conversation. But then um, we got into the Aussie stuff and Smooth Up and stuff like that. But I had never and I did some research, and uh, you know, uh, yeah. we're getting all hopping on the call with you today. But uh, I'd never heard the or read of the kiss thing, I guess. That's a nice little nugget. I, uh, I wonder. Very if, interesting. I know. I wonder if Mitch Lafon knows it. Interesting. But I want to talk Mitch about knows everything about kiss. Uh, we can't true. beat Mitch on kiss. All right, I'm going to ask him as soon as we're done. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, but you do know a lot of things, so I want to talk about that. You came out with a really interesting article recently or AL.com, and it was about, you know, bands during the Bullet Boy era, you know, we call them hair metal, like arena rock, whatever you want to label, throw at it, but the bands that made music during the grunge era, right? And you wanted to highlight some of those albums or songs, so uh, tell us about that article. Yeah, so, you know, uh, a band like Mark's band, the Bullet Boys, you think of as like a quote-unquote 80s rock or metal act. And uh, I think the kind of drive-by music fan assumes that they just evaporated from the earth in 1990 or 1991. But, and you know, while their peak years might have been before that, a lot of those bands made some really cool tracks and some entire really cool albums uh, during kind of the grunge peak era of like 91 to 95 and what I pointed out from Bullet Boys was they did this on uh, their 91 sophomore album they did a kind of a funk metal cover of the Tom Waits uh, song Hang On St. Christopher uh, that's kind of cool and it has stuff from Faster Pussycat Enough's Enough Slaughter, Skid Row, White Lion, Dawkins, uh, you know, even Motley Crue with the uh, Karabi era, just kind of, and, and a lot of those bands have made a really good mark in the uh, the previous decade, and it's they should be known for that uh, stuff, but they did some good stuff after that, too, so it was fun putting that together, and, you know, just this music, Brando, like, uh, um, it obviously had its wheelhouse era, but I, I think it gets written off as uh, way too much how strong the songs were, how, like, even break it down further, like how well-constructed the guitar solos were. It wasn't just some guy jamming. It's like a song within the song. So I, I love bringing, yeah, the, the look was outrageous and stuff, but... Uh, the songs, you know, you don't listen to haircuts, you listen to songs, and we're still listening yeah. to these songs. Uh, it's because you, you take somebody like Mark Torian, who just has, and, and Sebastian Boxers have great voices, and the musicianship yep. in a lot of these bands are just incredible. So for, why couldn't they switch genres? It could be just kind of like the same thing, how like you can have a great actor, you know, but he's stereotyped always in, in to be Urkel. I don't know. Maybe Jaleel White is a great actor or Dustin Diamond's a great actor, but he's always going to be Screech. Sure. So <laughs> that was my, my terrible analogy. <laughs> uh, no, maybe someone needs to Tarantino Screech or uh, Urkel and put them, bring them back like uh, Tarantino did for like, uh, you know, he did Travolta and a bunch of those other kind of uh, guys, but yeah, maybe that maybe is true. Screech and Urkel. Got, a, <laughs> got something, an Academy Award in them somewhere. It, 
hey, you never know. You never know. Uh, and you just came out with, uh, as we were recording this, another interview with just another legend uh, today. What else can we find that you have out right now? Uh, well, it, it's more of like the folk rock thing, but Graham Nash from uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash um, and recently broke the news that uh, uh, Jacob Button, uh, who people know from Adler and some other groups, he's going to be the singer on Mick uh, Mars's long uh, just dating solo album from the Motley Crue guitar legend yeah. there, Mick Mars. And still waiting on a couple of things for Guitar Gallery to roll out, but uh, print first, wheels grind slowly sometimes uh and uh but you know man you've been killing it too tom Kiefer. wow <laughs> you know it's uh that was also cool i mean i look at it the same way as with mark torian it's i mean some of these uh 80s i'm just throwing out the label but some of these, these 80s guys are really you know they're, they're still doing it and they're open to people that care about the music that want to talk about their new stuff um, you know, I don't even think I asked, uh, I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't ask him one Cinderella question. I don't know if that's ever happened as Tom. Wow. Keeper, uh, if you only, if you count, uh, and this was from a listener, whether he can, um, categorize or, uh, like pick one, two, three of his favorite songs between don't know what you got till it's gone. November rain and, uh, sweet, uh, sweet home, home, sweet home rather. And he just said like, let's, let's discount mine. And you just ended up praising uh november rain and i appreciate all your your support matt you know we we obviously follow each other on social media you know we get and i i want you to be involved in these these episodes but people please follow matt uh matthew b wake on twitter you know not just to be updated on his latest uh article whether it's for al.com or guitar world or you know whether big uh outlet he's gonna get but just like how i try to do on my social media you know, by posing, uh, you know, thought-provoking or and/or frustrating questions to answer, you know, music-related. You ask uh, those questions, uh, some really good questions as well that are, are fun to interact on on, on social media. So follow Matthew; uh, it's worth yeah. it. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for having me on here, Brando. Always uh, a good jam, and uh, I like that good jam. Mark, Mark, Tori, and both boys. AFD, good time. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. And we'll we'll talk soon. All right. Bye, Brenda. Thanks, Matt. A couple quick things before I get out of here and this episode concludes. One, got to thank my friend, uh, college friend, John Muir, who you may remember him. He was uh, the special co-host of our interview with Johnny Kelly from Typo Negative and Hookers and Blow. He's a bigger hockey fan than I am. And I mean, I don't, I would never have noticed this. It was reported by uh, Chris Peters, who writes for ESPN, uh, writes hockey for ESPN. And this hockey game uh, in Minnesota happened the other night. Now, why am I mentioning that? Well, it was an interesting uh, goaltender matchup with the names. First guy's name, Remington Kiopel, or Kiopel. That's not the big deal when I'm mentioning it. Uh, Remington is a cool name, I guess. But uh, the goaltender he was facing off against... Axel Roseland, A-X-E-L-R-O-S-E-N-L-U-N-D. There's a goalie that plays for Minnesota High School Hockey, Axel Roseland. I might have to get him on the show. <laughs> and uh, thanks, John, for, for pointing that out to me because that's just, 
That's just great. I like mentioning these little Guns N' Roses tidbits that you may not find anywhere else. I, do you really know about the, the, the roster of the Minnesota high school hockey team? I thought not. And just before I get out of here, I just want to send much love to all of our listeners around the world. We, we really do. I like to say that we're brought together here by Guns N' Roses, but it seems like the world... And uh, we wish it wasn't happening this way, is coming together with this this virus. And just pay attention to the news in your area. Of course, a lot of conflicting information. Just wash your hands. <laughs> Don't go anywhere uh, that people are, you know, they look like they have leprosy. You know, if, you have si- if you're sick, stay home. I made that mistake maybe like a couple months ago. I had like a 100 degree fever for like three days and I kept coming into work. Uh, if it was the coronavirus, if it was like that stuff, like if it was now with all these things going on, I would have stayed home. I was just being, I thought I was being a trooper, but don't, don't do that. <laughs> and special shout out to uh, the owners of the Guns N' Roses Italian Jungle Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll Facebook page. They are awesome. I know Italy is uh, dealing with a lot of shit right now, and they often translate my interviews into Italian. Was, which is just amazing. It's one thing when, when you know, Blabbermouth or, or Alternative Nation transcribe my interviews. It means a lot to me. But to, to not only transcribe it, but to translate it, it just means a lot. So much love to all of our gunners, our, our bad apples out there all over the world. Just stay safe, stay healthy. Guns N' Roses has only canceled one show thus far. Costa Rica, uh, Dell James just tweeted, you know, they're, they're, they're ready to go. Um, but we will see. A lot of events, uh, NCAA tournament is going to be held without fans. Uh, basketball games being shut down. It's a word that's officially used. It's not the media. It's uh, it's used by the World Health Organization. It, it, it is a pandemic. Hopefully we'll get through it. And I appreciate you getting through it by listening to this podcast. Anyway, as far as the next episode of Appetite for Distortion, assuming I am not quarantined anywhere. Um, well, when can you hear it? When can you see it? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. No! No! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home. <laughs>